Happy New Year. Nothing in reply. <laughs> we do begin a new liturgical year, of course, uh, with this first Sunday of Advent, a year of uh, remembrance. And thematically, the first Sunday of Advent isn't much different than the last few Sundays that we've gathered of reminding ourselves that Jesus Christ is King and that there will be a time when he will gather all to himself and uh, that everything that we know will cease. But uh, in addition to that, though, we do begin a new liturgical uh, cycle with the lectionary, and we enter cycle A this year and cycle 1 for the weekday masses. Cycle A uh, on Sundays is prim primarily the Gospel of St. Matthew, so it probably would help us a little bit to look a little uh, 30,000-foot view of uh, the Gospel according to St. Matthew. And, of course, St. Matthew is one of the apostles, one of the twelve. Therefore, one of the two evangelists that uh, are apostles. Matthew is writing to a predominantly Jewish audience. We can see this in the fact that he has a number of just simple presumptions that he makes that uh, the reader would simply know about Judaism and some of the practices, where St. Luke is careful to, to stop and say, yes, well, they were concerned about the purification of jugs and, and jars and all those things. Uh, St. Matthew doesn't make some of those things. St. Matthew is very concerned about showing the humanity of Jesus. In fact, in the uh, iconography of the evangelists, St. Matthew is depicted as the, the man, the one who shows Jesus' humanity and shows that Jesus is the fulfillment of Moses and the fulfillment of David, both king and prophet. And we see this in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew's Gospel gives us uh, a lot more uh, content there. And Matthew gives us as well, in addition, while we remember that uh, Moses gave, uh, gave uh, God gave through Moses the Ten Commandments, God gave Jesus gave the eight Beatitudes that were recorded in St. Matthew's Gospel. Thematically and, and structurally, they're very similar to Matthew and Mark. Uh, Luke, all three are very similar. But there's differences enough that let us know that Matthew had his own perspective. That should not disturb us. And one of the, one of the differences that it's given is while St. Luke shows us the Annunciation to the Blessed Mother, by the angel Gabriel, St. Matthew doesn't. In fact, St. Matthew tells us very little about the actual birth of Jesus. We hear the coming of the Magi, but perhaps more importantly for our thought this morning, he gives us the Annunciation to St. Joseph. Why? Because Jesus is to be heir to all that Joseph had. And Joseph being in the line of King David, Jesus himself would be the king would be the one who is worthy to sit on the throne of David, his father. One uh, in particular uh, to note that while St. Luke has the angel Gabriel appearing to Zechariah and, and to uh, the Blessed Mother, we don't hear of that, in, uh, that, those visitations of the angels. Rather, we hear it couched in a dream and, and quite simply, Matthew, again, writing to a Jewish audience, some of whom included the Sadducees. If you remember back a few weeks, we heard about the Sadducees, who St. Luke told us do not believe in, in the resurrection or angels or, or on and on. Well, 
If you coach the vision in a dream, it becomes a little easier to tolerate. And Matthew uh, is giving them everything they need in order to understand, in order to not lose, uh, lose hope or to suspend belief and stop believing completely. But today in this gospel passage, we have Jesus telling us that uh, the coming of the Son of Man is going to be like the days of Noah. And maybe you, I encourage you, you know, consider just do a mental exercise. What was it like in the days of Noah? What, I, I wonder what was going on in the minds and the hearts of Noah's neighbors as they saw him going out and collecting all this wood. They saw him uh, collecting all the building materials as they saw him starting to build this odd structure. It, they, they must have known it wasn't a house. It wasn't attached to a foundation like most houses are. Uh, and to, to build it. And I, I especially wonder what they would have been thinking as he saw Noah starting to gather things into the ark, provisions. As he started gathering the animals two by two or the clean creatures, uh, seven pairs. What were they thinking? And Jesus tells us what they were thinking. They weren't. They were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving a marriage. And I, I find myself reflecting, well, why marrying and giving a marriage? Uh, why, why did Jesus use that term? Uh, and I think it has to do with they were just simply focused on the future. They were so focused on the future that they did not see what was happening right in front of them. They were eating and drinking, focused on their own stomachs, unaware of what was happening around them perhaps completely unaware of how nature was going to turn against them because God had turned it against them, how the flood was going to come and carry them off. They were simply unaware. They were simply not awake. And Jesus is telling us this cannot be for us. And he uses these, this little parable, the two out in the field, one will be taken, one will be left, or two women at the, at the mill, one will be taken, one will be left. If you remember, like I do, a few years ago, there was a whole book series from our Protestant brothers and sisters, the Left Behind series, and uh, there was a book in a particular Christian bookstore that I saw, Will Catholics Be Left Behind? And it didn't take you long to page through it and realize that the author, the answer was, yes, Catholics will be left behind, da-da-da, to which I responded, if you read the scriptures, it's good Catholics are left behind. Because in the parables, the ones that are left behind are the harvest, that the weeds and the wheat are taken first, and then the wheat is gathered into the barn. But Jesus is saying, don't let that day catch you unaware. Because if you, if you do, you will be the one that will be taken. To be prepared. To stay awake. Now, he's not, of course, talking about uh, literally being awake and having a chronic insomnia. So easy for me to speak this morning. He's not talking about that, but he's talking about making sure that we are doing what we need to do. We're not so focused on the future, we don't see the now, and we're not so focused on what we are eating or drinking or all those things that we are, uh, refuse to raise our heads to look. And again, using this image, of if we knew when the thief was coming, we would have been better prepared. The reality is we don't know when the Lord is coming when he's going to come and steal us all away. We don't know the day or the hour, and so we must be prepared. 
But what happens, and we have this in yesterday's uh, daily reading, of uh, that what happens is we get lax. We just get caught up in our own stuff and we, we forget. And that's where something new, like a new church year, can help us. That reminds us that something new is here and we have to pay attention. And there's other ways to be, of course, prepared. And, and we'll point a few out and today in, the, in a short little bit. We are going to bless the Advent wreath. I encourage you to have an Advent wreath at home, even if you don't have the greenery itself, and even if you don't have the three violets and the, the rose-colored candles. I, I've seen some where it's just simply a refrigerator thing, and they put a little felt patch on over, over the candles, but a way of helping especially the children to count down the weeks of Advent. And this year, we are blessed. We have four full weeks, 28 days, If we're not prepared for Christmas at the end of this Advent, then we have other excuses besides a lack of time. The days of Advent, or the weeks of Advent, counted down on the Advent wreath will help us. Or an Advent calendar itself, something we don't have here as a a parish, but uh, perhaps you've seen different things. I've seen all sorts of variations of the Advent calendar, a wonderful way of counting down the days, and again, especially with children, sometimes they have a a little verse that you read as a family, sometimes for some there's a little treat inside for the kids, something to give them a little joy, but something that reminds them that Christmas is coming and to prepare. I've heard of some families, and I know uh, a few schools that have done this, that they set the nativity crash out at the beginning of Advent without the figures, Sometimes they'll add a, a figure or two in saving the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph and Jesus, of course, for the last. But also sometimes, as the children do a particular good deed for one of their brothers or sisters or for the family or for a neighbor or whatever it is, they give them a little piece of straw, sometimes a piece of construction paper colored. That way, when the Holy Family arrives at that crash, the straw is there waiting And the children remember it's our good deeds that helped us to prepare for this day. A beautiful way. As already said, we have 28 days of of Advent. And in the past, I've recommended certainly taking the Gospel of St. Luke, which is 24 chapters. But this year, since we are in cycle A with the Gospel of Matthew, and the Gospel of Matthew happens to be 28 chapters, I encourage you to take the Gospel of Matthew, to read one chapter a day, uh, and, and not, not necessarily talking in, uh, about Lexio Divina and getting lost in the thoughts, but just simply to read it again to get that grand overview of the Gospel of St. Matthew. To read one chapter a day and on Christmas Eve morning, we will hear the Great Commission, as, how Jesus sends them forth to all corners of the world to proclaim the Gospel and to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Great Commission that is our commission. And as we gather on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, with that great commission in our minds, we will know we have something joyful to rejoice, something joyful to proclaim that Jesus Christ is born, not just because he's born, but he's born to die to save us, to rise again, to give us eternal life. And that hopefully inspires us to join in that great commission. Last, I encourage us to resist the commercialization of Christmas 
I know I've seen the Christmas stuff out since before uh, Halloween. I think this year it was actually the earliest. Uh, I think I saw something mid-September, if I remember right. But I encourage us, yes, and I'm not saying don't go Christmas shopping or all those things, but to resist the, the crass commercialism that so often plagues our world. We have a relatively short Christmas this year, Christmas season. Next year it is the shortest that it can possibly be. We also have the shortest Advent next year as it possibly can be. But sometimes when we get caught up in the commercialization of Christmas, by the time we actually start to celebrate Christmas in the church, we are so tired of Christmas that we want nothing of it. If we really enter the season of Advent well, preparing our hearts and minds, of counting down the weeks, the days, I forgot one, one thing, one other way to prepare is the Advent wreath, or the Jesse, Jesse tree, sorry, where each day to put a particular image of one of the forefathers or foremothers of Jesus to remind ourselves that Jesus did not spring up in a void, but rather came through Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel, all those people in our, in our faith's history that help us. All these ways remind us that Jesus wants to be a part of our world. He wants to be a part of our lives and to wake up. I'll end with this, and I, I haven't shared this too publicly last night. I did, I think, probably for the first time, but I'm especially aware that last Christmas was my last Christmas with my mom. And for reasons beyond my understanding, one sister decided she couldn't be there and the other sister was late because of car trouble. I got a little angry and knowing that I had to get up early the next day for mass, left. I did not give my mom the chance to be with at least two of her children at once for that last Christmas. I use that because we simply don't know. We don't know when the Lord is going to return, but we don't know when the Lord is going to call any one of us. And so let us not be taken unprepared. Let us take every opportunity we can to prepare our hearts and minds, not only, not only because physically somebody might not be with us, but because we know the Lord is calling us to be prepared. In all these ways, this Advent is a chance for us to wake up, to pay attention, to be prepared, because we know the day is coming when he will come. As we heard in today's second reading, the days are closer now than when we first believed. And he's not just simply stating something that's obvious, but he's stating a profound truth, that are we really prepared? Are we really ready? It's a question that we need to ask. It's a question that we need to stop focusing on things that are unimportant. Rather, to raise our heads, to watch how he's coming already.